Well, have you ever noticed that uh, there's not much truth in advertising these days? There's not much truth in advertising. Let me tell you one of my main gripes at the moment, something that really gets on my nerves, something that cheeses me off. You know when you go into one of these big international burger chains and you're trying to choose what it, what, what it is that you want to eat and you see those photos above the counter, you know the burgers, the pictures of the burgers? Big succulent, juicy, they look good. And then you buy one. And it's tiny. And it's just this flaccid little dry thing. So disappointing. No truth in advertising these days. That's why I find it really refreshing when you do actually come across truth in advertising. Let me give you a couple of examples that I've come across. Look at this guy. There you go. You go into his store and you know exactly what you're going to get. A genuine Rolex. <laughs> well, then there's this Chinese restaurant. There you go. You go into that restaurant, you know exactly what you're going to get. <laughs> Even their special rice is pretty ordinary in this one. And then there's this one. Here you go. Now, that's truth, isn't it? That's really telling it as it is. <laughs> truth in advertising. Well, we're here today as part of our Sunday Fun Day, as part of our Open Week celebrations, and we're here today, I guess, to give you an opportunity to come and check us out, to check us out as a church. It's an opportunity for us to let you know who we are. It's an opportunity, I guess, in a sense, for us to sell ourselves to you, at no cost, but to sell ourselves. And here we are, I guess, halfway through our service, and I wonder what you've thought of us so far. I reckon it's been a pretty fairly pleasant uh, experience for you so far. I hope so anyway. Nothing too off-putting, I hope. But maybe th th there's something uh, that before you come to make a decision about us, there's something that you really need to know about us. If we're going to display truth in advertising to you, then there's something you really ought to know about us, something that may very well change your opinion of us. For some of you, I reckon that this truth will be enough to turn you off wanting to have anything to do with us from this point on. And for others of you, I reckon it will probably be the deciding factor in maybe even your decision to come and join us here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. It is the shocking truth about our church. It's not something uh, that we're particularly proud of. It's not something that you'll find plastered on our sign out the front. But it is the truth about who we are and it's something you need to know if you're going to check out the real us. Before I uh, disclose this truth about us, I want to uh, take us into the Bible for a while. I want us to look at a, an episode in the life of Jesus because I think that this episode is going to provide a fitting background to this truth about us that I want to disclose later on. Now you'll find this story in the Bibles in front of you. Uh, page 687 of the small print and 1509 of the large print Bibles. You'll find it at Matthew, the book of Matthew, chapter 9, beginning at verse 9. To help you along, uh, you'll also find a, an outline to the talk that I'm about to give inside the service sheets that you were given on the way in. Now, in this story, what we do is we see Jesus walking along and he comes across a tax collector named Matthew. Matthew is sitting there in his tax booth. 
It's like a tax-collecting station. I guess uh, some things never change. Even in, in Jesus' day, uh, people were required to pay their taxes. But you paid your taxes by going down to one of these tax booths, to giving your money to someone like Matthew. Anyway, Jesus is there. He sees Matthew in his tax booth. He goes over to him and he says, Hey, Matthew, come and follow me. And Matthew does. He gets up and he starts following him. Read with me from verse 9. Verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. It's a bit strange, isn't it? A bit strange, Matthew just getting up, leaving his desk, leaving his office, goes, starts following Jesus simply because Jesus tells him to. It's a bit strange. But, you know, with our modern ears, I reckon we might actually miss something even stranger about what's going on here. You see, today when I think of the tax man, I've got to admit that my heart hardly leaps with joy, but in Jesus' day, tax collectors, well, they were despised. You see, they were considered common criminals. What they would do, they were renowned for this, is they would take people's money, take their taxes, and then a lot of it they would actually pocket for themselves. They'd steal it. And then they were also considered to be traitors. Because, you see, who were they taking these taxes for? Not their own government, but the Roman government, the Roman occupiers at the time. So they were considered crooks, thieves, uh, traitors... They were the scum of the earth. So what is really strange about what is going on here is that Jesus would invite this sort of man to come and follow him, to come and be one of his disciples. Think about it for a moment. Here is a man who has ripped off paupers. Here is a man who has fleeced widows. A man who has caused untold misery and heartache for good, hard-working people. Here's a man who has fattened himself up at the expense of others. And yet, and yet it is this scoundrel that Jesus now calls to come and follow him. But if that's strange, then the next scene in our story is stranger again. Because the next thing we learn is that Jesus is now back in Matthew's house. He's eaten dinner with him. And as he's there, well, they're joined by all of uh, Matthew's tax collector mates and all sorts of other sinners. Read with me verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Who were these other sinners? Well, we don't know. We're not told. But they're obviously people whose reputations have gone before them. They're renowned sinners. When I picture this house, uh, this scene in the house, when I picture the people that are present, I don't imagine some polite dinner party, you know, with fine china and people's pinkies out. I imagine the dregs of society are there. I imagine the prostitutes and the thieves and the drunkards who are all there. 
I imagine a, a, a conversation and language so crude that it would make a bricky's labourer blush. And yet here, in the middle of all of this, is Jesus. What a scandal. There was a, a recent case of a politician Um, It was a few weeks ago now, who was found to have socialised with a criminal. And when that became public, well, it was such a scandal that it was enough to destroy his reputation, bring down his whole political career. It was a scandal. And yet here is Jesus socialising with all sorts of notorious sinners. What a scandal. It's the sort of stuff that today, tonight is made of, isn't it, you know? Man of God, caught carousing with immoral scum. So it's not long before someone starts to question the actions of Jesus. But the questions don't come from Anacorin, they come from the Pharisees. Who were the Pharisees? Well, the Pharisees, they were the religious leaders of the day. The Pharisees, they were, you've got to hand it to them, they were very good at following the law. They were experts in the law. They tried so hard to follow God's law to the letter. You know, if you think of those people there in Matthew's house, if you think of the sort of people that are there, well, these Pharisees, they are the complete, total opposite. They were the highly respected, morally upright, honourable type. Now, if the Queen's birthday honour list would have been around in Jesus' day, these are the sort of guys that would have found their names on it. So it's these Pharisees that now question the actions of Jesus. They ask Jesus' disciples, what's going on here? Read with me verse 11. Verse 11. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked Jesus' disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Fair question, isn't it? Obvious question. Obvious question. Why this scandalous behaviour from your teacher, from your leader? Explain yourselves. But it's not Jesus' disciples who answer the question, but Jesus himself. He's the one that answers the Pharisees, and he answers them by way of a metaphor. He points out what I think is a very obvious fact. He says that healthy people don't need a doctor. Healthy people don't need a doctor, only sick people need a doctor. Look with me at verse 12. Verse 12. On hearing this, Jesus said, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. There you go. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. What's the point of this metaphor? What's Jesus' point here? Well, Jesus is saying that just as you would expect to find a doctor working among sick people, just as you would expect to find, you know, Aaron Tan, who was interviewed earlier on, working among sick people and not healthy people, well, so you should expect to see him, Jesus, working among sinners and not good people. Matthew's house, it's full of sick people, not physically sick people but spiritually sick people. And that's why Jesus is there. Because they're sick with sin. That's why he's there. What is sin? Well, sin is the rejection of God's rightful rule in our lives. 
Sin is when we say no to God. Sin is when we say, no, God, I'm not going to live life your way and on your terms. I'm going to live life my own way and my, on my own terms. Sin is when we ignore God. Sin is when we disobey God. You see, the, the symptoms of sin in the lives of these people who were there in Matthew's house, it was obvious, wasn't it? They were renowned sinners. But sin meant that they had a serious problem. Because you see, friends, sin, well, sin is a lot like a poison that once in our system, well, it has dire consequences. A person sick with sin, they have a very poor, poor prognosis indeed. The Bible tells us that sin doesn't just result in physical death, that it results in spiritual death too. That the outcome of someone who is sick with sin is eternal punishment in hell forever. Friend, what is the most insidious disease that you can think of? AIDS? Cancer? Parkinson's disease? Bird flu? Well, sin is inconceivably worse because it has consequences that are eternal. But you notice what else Jesus is doing here in this metaphor? See what he's doing? He's actually claiming to be someone who can help people who are sick with sin. He's claiming to be the sin doctor, if you like. That's why he's associating himself with these sinners. Just like a doctor will associate himself with sick people, so the sin doctor associates himself with sinners because he can help them. It shouldn't surprise the Pharisees to see Jesus there in Matthew's home. He's just making a house call. But is Jesus really able to cure people who are sick with sin? Is he really able to do it? Well, yes. You see, not long after Jesus ate with these sinners... He would go and he would allow himself to be nailed to a cross and to be left there to die. Even though Jesus did not have even a trace of sin in his system. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, it was a bit like he, he sucked the poison out of the veins of every sinner that has ever lived and he has died facing that spiritual death that sinners do. See, in other words, Jesus died on behalf of sinners. He sacrificed himself on behalf of sinners. Three days later, God raised Jesus back to life again to prove to the world that Jesus was no spin doctor, but that he was the true sin doctor. So friends, it's with this background of this story that I would now like to reveal to you the shocking truth about us here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church. Here's our truth in advertising. You ready? Here it is. We here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church are a bunch of sinners. You see that lovely person sitting beside you? Like seriously, have a look at them. See, the, see those people that are sitting right beside you? <laughs> Diseased. You know the musicians that you've seen playing up here so well this morning? Infected. 
The people who welcomed you at the door probably shook your hand. Contaminated. You know, the ministers of this church? Downright pathological. Here is the truth about us here at Chatswood Presbyterian. Each and every member in it is sick with sin. Each and every one of us has rejected God's rightful rule in our lives. We've all disobeyed him. Each one has sin pumping through our system. (laughs) Welcome to Chatswood Presbyterian Church. Does that shock you? Does it surprise you? I mean, Christian people are supposed to be good people, aren't they? Well, no. No, not not primarily. Think about it. What sort of people did Jesus call to follow him? He called sinners. What sort of people did Jesus associate himself with? He associated himself with sinners. Now, this church is not full of spiritually healthy people. It's full of spiritually sick people. Here's the thing, Chatswood Presbyterian Church, it's nothing more than a hospital for sinners. That's all it is. If you're considering joining us, then you need to be perfectly aware of that fact. Otherwise, you might be very, very disappointed. You know, not so long ago, I uh, had an old workmate um, who I invited along to church. And do you know what she said? She said, I will never go to church. I asked her why. She said, I'm not going to church because churches, they're, they're full of hypocrites. Well, duh. It's, of course it's full of hypocrites and every other type of sinner too. You know, you don't go down to Royal North Shore and expect to find fit and healthy people. You go down there and you expect to find people coughing, spluttering, bleeding, broken, vomiting, frail, sick people. Well, this church is nothing more than a hospital for sinners. Here you'll find sinners with all sorts of symptoms. So why do we bother meeting together? Well, we do so because we know it is a very good thing for us to do as sinners. Because you see, just like sick people go to hospitals to receive the best care they can, so sinners can do in church. You see, we gather each week to read the Bible, to hear the doctor's orders, to encourage one another to keep trusting in Jesus and to keep trusting in this cure that he's provided for us on the cross. Because we know that with that, with that cure, we will most definitely receive life with God in heaven forever. Not spiritual death, but spiritual life. As sinners, we keep meeting together here because we know it's a great thing for sinners to do. So there you go, that's the shocking truth revealed this morning. You're still here, that's good. But I can't stop just there. There is one further shocking truth that needs to be disclosed. Before I disclose it, I want us to return and see how this story in the Bible concludes. I want us to come back and see what Jesus has to say now. Because now Jesus goes to quote from the Bible... As he does so, he makes an unexpected diagnosis of the Pharisees. He quotes from this Bible, the Bible that they're supposed to be experts in. And he shows from it how they've gotten it all so terribly wrong. Read with me verse 13. Verse 13. Jesus said to the Pharisees, But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. 
for I've come not to call the righteous, but sinners. See, what's Jesus doing here? Well, Jesus is showing the Pharisees that by their very criticism of his work among sinners, that they have failed to understand God's ways. Because God's ways are the ways of mercy. Yet these Pharisees in their hearts, they've already condemned these people that are in Matthew's house. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? What he's doing is he's talking to the Pharisees and in a sense he's saying, fellas, look, I am the sin doctor. I've come to help sinners. I've come to help those who haven't lived God's way. And you Pharisees, well, whether you know it or not, you too are not living God's way. You too need me. You too need the sin doctor. Is it, it's true that the, the symptoms of those Pharisees, of, of the Pharisees, well, they were nowhere as severe as, as the symptoms, or they weren't as obvious, I should say, as the symptoms of the people in Matthew's house. I mean, on the surface, they looked like such good people. But the truth is, sin was still pumping through their veins. And the fact is, left untreated, well, these Pharisees would face the same consequences as any other sinner, spiritual death, eternal punishment in hell forever. Jesus told them that he didn't come to call righteous people but sinners. Now these Pharisees need to recognise that they themselves are sinners, that they themselves need this cure that Jesus is offering them. So what's this other shocking truth that needs to be disclosed this morning? Well, actually, this time it's not the shocking truth about Chatswood Presbyterian Church. This time it's the shocking truth about you. Friend, I, I don't necessarily know who you are. Uh, there's a good possibility that maybe we've never even met. But there's one truth that I already know about you. You too are sick. Sick with sin. Because the truth is these Pharisees in this story, they were more righteous than you or I could ever be. They were experts in the law. They pedantically followed God's law to the letter. And yet Jesus was able to diagnose sin in their lives regardless of how good they were. In fact, the Bible tells us that tells us that every single person that has ever lived, every person except Jesus, is sick with sin. Perhaps you say, but I don't feel sick with sin. Well, that does not matter. Denial does not change the course of a disease. And untreated, your prognosis is dire, spiritual death, punishment in hell forever. But friend, I hope that this morning that you have heard, heard clearly that there is a cure available and it is available to you. That cure is provided by Jesus, the sin doctor, the one who died on the cross to provide you with a cure, the one who can give you eternal life with God in heaven forever, the one who now calls you to come and follow him, and to trust him. So will you do that? Will you do that this morning? You know, one of the best ways of keeping to the doctor's orders is by admitting yourself into hospital. 
Any church which keeps to the doctor's orders will do. Personally, I like this one. There's no waiting list. Got plenty of beds. Well, even bulk bill, if that helps. But most importantly, friends, we have among us the only doctor qualified to treat our serious condition. For we here at Chatswood Presbyterian Church follow Dr Jesus and you're most welcome to come and join us too. Let's pray. Dear God, we acknowledge now that we have ignored you. We have denied your rightful rule in our lives. We acknowledge that we have tried to run life our own way and on our own terms without you. We acknowledge that we are all sick with sin and we're sorry. Dear God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that when he died on the cross, he provided a real cure for all sinners who trust in him. Thank you that he died that we might live. Father, we also thank you for this church here and for every sinner in it. Dear God, help us to continue encouraging one another to commit ourselves into the care of Jesus in the knowledge that he alone is able to cure us of our sin and he alone gives us life with you in heaven forever. Amen.